Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 202 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be looking at Anderson Silva's retirement comments, Dan Hardy's latest targeting of the UFC, John Jones' tweet saying that he is training for a Stipe Miocic fight, and we'll be previewing select fights from UFC Vegas 63, as well as the main event for MVP Promotions' Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul. But first, Victor, oh my God, did you see the comment that Josh Thompson made about the media being the sole proprietors and bearing the sole responsibility of promotional technique? No, that's what a promoter is supposed to do. The expectation that media is supposed to do that job for you is grotesque and idiotic and childish, and he should know better. And I really resent the fact that he had this thing. It was like, yeah, yeah, you know, like this rallying cry, like, hey, you, you listening to this right now, you need to get on the media's ass so that they can promote this for us. Like, nobody, that's not how any of this goes. And then he's, he, he did that one thing that was really strange. He was like, oh, people are afraid to cover Bellator because they don't want to lose UFC credentials. When does that happen? Never. Show me, show me one case. Not once. Not once. I mean, the only time there's anything cl- even close to or maybe comparable to that was when UFC, when when Hawani was working with, uh, what was it, Fox? or Yeah, it was back Fox. in the Fox era, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there was a Bellator event in New York, and he went and he covered um, the, the, the sort of, um, you know, their, their little promo thing that they were doing. You know, they had fires coming in doing photo shoots and stuff like that. But, you know, that's, that's a different matter because that's an internal situation. It's not like that's a widespread thing. And that's a, a very, very specific outlier with a very specific set of circumstances surrounding it. But that's, that's just Josh Thompson, you know, listen, the guy, when it comes to fighting, very, very smart. When it comes to stuff like this, buddy, you should have kept that in the drafts. It just, I, the impassioned uh, speech there, the rallying cry, like, no, dude, just stop. That's not, that's nobody, nobody really took to that as, as uh, something that is, um, I, I can't think of anybody in, in media that would have agreed. And even then, like, what is MMA media, right? You got people who do serious journalism, in-depth stuff like Kareem Zidane, Sean Al-Shadi. And then you have people that do, you know, lesser things that that, that are um, video work or podcasts only or you know, stuff like that. Stuff like what we're doing now. People that only write about uh, certain events in Japan. Like, that's that's – come on. What, what are we doing here, buddy? What, what united front are you really trying to gather here? Well, what's funny to me and – Super ironic is that here he is on his podcast talking about MMA, being a former fighter and a current commentator. He is freaking media. He talks fights. He breaks down fights. Mm -hmm. He talks the news. He interviews people. And this is on both, not just in the commentary booth or in the cage. He does this on his podcast as well. He is media, whether he likes it or not. So if he is calling out the media, he is also calling out himself. It's incredibly ironic, but more so. It's in the name 
promoter. Just think about that for a second. Now we're going to move on to our first news topic, and it is about Anderson Silva and his retirement comments, specifically that he has no intention of retiring after the Jake Paul fight. But before we jump straight into that, some breaking news happened uh, just literally an hour or so ago that the Arizona Athletic Commission is having an emergency meeting about the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight. So (laughs) we have that barrel to look down right now. But before you get your hackles all up and everything, it all comes down to Anderson Silva's comments that he had, quote, been knocked out twice in training. But he has since come out on, on Twitter and said that it all came down to bad translation and bad English. So... I don't think anything is going to come of this Arizona Boxing and Mixed Martial Arts Commission emergency meeting, but I do feel that I should mention it before I jump into Anderson's comments on his uh, pending or not pending retirement. Now, you're you're going to be tempted just by hearing the headline to get really upset, but trust me, it's a good thing. Let me just let me just go ahead and and read to you what he had to say. All right. Uh, And this came with an interview with TMZ. So he said, and I quote, when asked about retirement, no, definitely not. I talked to one of my coaches, the jujitsu coach to fight jujitsu. Guy in Dubai. I talked to my coach Ramon Lemos and that's the next challenge for me. I don't know when I'm going to stop. I know one day, I will go I will go and stop but not now. I try to challenge myself every day, especially now that my kids start fighting and I help my kids and sometimes I need to do sparring with my kids. I continue doing something special, not about proving anything for anybody. It's just a challenge for myself. Training with young kids, training with the younger generation. Anderson Silva faces Jake Paul this weekend in Glendale, Arizona under the Showtime Boxing banner. I don't mind this. It's not like he's saying, I'm going to reclaim a belt somewhere. I'm going to bare knuckle FC. He specifically mentioned Gi Jiu Jitsu in, du- in Dubai. And he specifically mentioned working with his kids and younger fighters in a training scenario and there's plenty of videos in our article on bloody elbow of him training with his kids who are the ones that are that are actually in mma or adults before you guys start thinking oh my god he's boxing up 10 year olds he's not but i don't mind this at all victor what do you think i i was i was a little disappointed by that last point you made you know i kind of wish you'd be fighting the 10 year olds like kramer in the dojo hi 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 that would be the best. Show him the real Ali shuffle and be like, damn, like you ain't making it to your bar mitzvah there, Mikey. You done goofed. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, I agree. I, I, you know, the um, the headline certainly made it. I, I don't think it's it was a don't get me wrong. I don't think anybody put this in as a bad headline. I just think it's something that requires a bit more of peeling behind just one more layer and hearing the guy out. Because look at what he's saying. You know, he's not saying that he's he, look, he's clearly retired from MMA. Right. But 
or at least it seems like it, but he's not done with combat sports in general. He's not done with pursuing other athletic endeavors. And I think that's fine. You know, he's not talking about doing more boxing. He pivots and talks about doing this thing and, and, uh, in Dubai doing competitive grappling, which is great. And note that it's in Dubai, which I assume being a, a haven and playground for rich people, that he is going to be paid by very rich people a considerable sum of money because he is someone that has a legacy, that has a name and that has uh, some marquee value attached to that. So you get the bonus of the expectation that he's going to be getting paid thick stacks. And on top of that, you also have the fact that he's not going to be taking any head trauma from that either. So, look, no matter how things go this weekend, he goes off and he does his jiu-jitsu thing and he maybe could do a few more of those. I think that's I think that's an extraordinary thing. I think that's something that we should we should um, definitely applaud. celebrate. Yeah. You know, we should we should. As you said, yes. Right. We should celebrate that because. This isn't some guy who's got delusions of like, you know what? I got one more run in me to go for the title and go fight Adesanya again. Like, no, that's not what he's talking about. Okay, he's not talking about jumping over to Bellator or trying to get the million out of PFL. Like, no, man, you know what? I'm going to go out on a tour and I'm going to do it big. And good. I am very much in favor of that. If this is the way it's going to go, then it's a lot healthier than a lot of these things tend to go. And that's – that's that's something that we ought to really, you know, hope that more guys kind of have that same sort of chance if they're in a similar predicament. It should be noted mm-hmm. that at 47, Anderson Silva is in pretty good shape and he didn't look bad at all when he fought um, uh, Chavez Jr. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's not saying much because Chavez Jr. <laughs> there it is. Terrible boxer. <laughs> However, uh, you know, considering Anderson's age, my goodness, you know, he's still hanging in there tough. That said, I I hope that celebrity boxing days are are numbered. But jujitsu, let's get it on. I love that. You know what, man? Look, I have moments where I miss Mookie, and this is one of those moments because just the the Chavez Jr. slander is so delicious when he <laughs> drops it like a like a like a hot brick right at your feet, like. You know, <laughs> like go ahead and curl up by the fire. I've got a hot brick for your foot. Oh, uh, nice yes, socks. indeed. <laughs> mm. It's more effective than a hot water bottle. You know what I'm talking about because we're old. This is true. <sighs> yes, indeed. But we're going to talk about another hot topic that surfaced this week, and that is Dan Hardy firing on all cylinders at the UFC. That's actually not an expression that works very well with both barrels. Let's go with that one. Yeah. He went out there and started talking about some comments that he had made previously uh, in which he accused the UFC and Dana White in particular staging and feigning concern for Calvin Cater when he took the ass whooping of a lifetime at the hands of Max Holloway back in 2021. Now, Dana White had uh, said some unkind things and, uh, you know, the UFC obviously wasn't very happy with this or you would imagine. I mean, they didn't say much, but clearly they don't like when these sort of things happen. It's not great PR. And believe it or not, sometimes they do worry about that. However, uh, it turns out that Dan Hardy continued and he had even more to say that parlayed into treatment of fighters, specifically how UFC treats fighters once they're done and used himself as an example. And I don't think it was exactly the worst example for him to use either. And you're going to see why. Quote, I don't doubt for a second that Dana was concerned. I was right there and amongst it. I could see the concern on his face. Ultimately, I feel like that concern was for the UFC, though. It's the UFC brand. Calvin Cater got $115,000 for that fight. That's not enough. If you care about the fighter, you pay more than that for that kind of damage. Then he 
you know, went on to address the uh, comments that Dana White had made where he had discussed um, Dan Hardy, describing him as bitter, as, a, you know, remorseful, sour grapes type thing because of the condition in which he was separated from the company. And, well, Dan Hardy had a bone to pick with that, too. Quote, it was the same narratives that they used because, and I'm no longer a fighter for the UFC. I wasn't on contract as a fighter. It wasn't like they could put me in there with someone like Shemaev to get my ass kicked. That was the plan with Nate. Do as much damage to him physically and brand-wise as possible so he is not valuable to go anywhere else. This is the consistent thing, unfortunately, with the UFC. People aren't allowed to leave graciously. There was never an opportunity where you could step away from the UFC on good terms because they invested so much money on you as an asset, as a brand. And then he continued to actually admit that he maybe was a bit bitter and not an unreasonable way to be in this whole case, right? I'm bitter. Yeah, I am a little bit because of the false narratives that have been told. And I understand the UFC wasn't just going to quietly let me leave. They were going to have to do something about it because they didn't want me moving on to a different organization with any kind of worth to my brand. You will get damaged as much as possible so you don't move on and do something else. This is a lesson from Dana at the press conference. I don't give a fuck what people think at this point. I really don't. I was fired for speaking my mind twice. I've been defamed. They've tried to fucking shut me down the best they can. They came after all my sponsors. I'm just not bothered at this point. I'm really not. I owe nobody anything. I'm here for no reason other than because I love MMA, I love martial arts, and I like talking to you guys. All right, we do need to backpedal here a little bit because there was that sort of cloud, that little hazy bit there about how the circumstances of his departure actually came to be. Um, there was that, I guess, accusation that he had been mistreating employees and uh, specifically had some sort of a verbal, uh, verbally abusive tirade against a female employee, things of that sort. Um, I can't say which way or the other this whole thing goes. We don't really have any witnesses. Everyone's pretty much clammed up on that front, uh, other than Hardy, who maintains his innocence to this his innocence to this day. And I really don't know what to make to that. I don't know really how to how to speak to that part because that's kind of just there, right? If he's if we're going to take him at his word purely without any sort of critical view, yeah, I mean he's. Right. I mean, even if he did leave under unpleasant circumstances that were directly his fault, assuming maybe that he wasn't innocent, he's still right in this case. Right. I mean, look at how they did Nate. Look at what happened with Anderson Silva. We knew he had no business being in there against a guy like Uriah Hall, but it happened anyway. Did they do it to diminish his value? Maybe not. But clearly they did put him in a bad situation. And regardless of what you might think about, like, well, you know, he was fighting guys that respected him and look up to him like Adesanya and whatnot. Nah, man, come on. That You got to take better care of these guys. And yeah, he's right. Calvin Cater taking a life-altering beating like that, 115000 pretty insulting, man. If you'd seen that in a boxing event, I mean, you heard that this guy was getting 115000 Well, yeah, sure, I, I guess that happens. But it, it's very rare for you to see that kind of purse with no title implications on the line and then have somebody go through that sort of thing. Now, obviously, there are contracts in place. You're not going to have a guy take a bonus or be given some sort of pity money. Uh, simply because they got uh, they were on the wrong end of a one-sided beating. That's just not something that happens. It's the agreed-upon money that's contractually there. And I'm not blaming the fighter. I'm just saying this is, these are the structures and the parameters under which this whole business exists. So I'm not sure what really Dan was expecting there other than saying, you know, he should have gotten a higher purse because we should have expected that, which I don't really know that that's what he's trying to say. It just didn't really – the math wasn't really mathing on that one. 
But he's right about the number, and he's right about the fact that these guys are getting a pittance, and he's right about the fact that the UFC will do whatever they can to disparage you in one way or another, and Nate just happens to be the best and most recent example of that. Now, applying that to him is a little trickier because, again, we don't really know the circumstances regarding his departure. Um, It doesn't seem to look great, but... Yeah, I, you know, we don't really have much corroborating evidence in either direction. But that being said, man, I mean, okay, so what? I mean, they, 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 it's not like he had a series of bad matchups on the way out because he clearly was not a fighter, as he stated. He'd been sidelined due to medical conditions and he'd already had an altercation with Herb Dean prior to that. It seemed like there had been some sort of a time coming. But look, regardless of that, right, if we were to look at this situation taking a step back, Yes, he made some great points, but do you think that those points are somewhat hurt by the fact that it's Dan Hardy and his murky history, or at least murky recent history, especially, well, let's just say, with the contradictions surrounding his uh, departure? Do, do you think that that mars any of the points that he had made? With some people, yes, because there's a lot of people out there that hold personal grudges and can't look at anything objectively. I find myself in that category sometimes, but... When someone like yourself relays it in in such eloquent fashion, it's easy to pick and choose the facts from there and and do away with the image I have of Dan Hardy, which isn't terrible, but I do see him as a bitter person. So when he came out and admitted it, at least he can see it himself. His, his facts are, are on point. I don't know if if the, the story about Dana uh, being coached and them basically setting up his concern is true, but it would not surprise me. But what I can determine uh, from his comments and, and fr- with my own two eyes is that the UFC does do their fighters wrong. They don't want you to leave gracefully. Another prime ex- example is um, Tom... Tom, you know, the guy that went to wrestling, I cannot think of Tom Lawler. Tom yeah, Lawler. filthy Tom. Yeah, they left him on a shelf until he was freaking 37 years old. You know, they left him shelf for, what, two and a half years? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was insane the way they did him. Uh, mm-hmm. The way they've, they've done Nate. The way um, they keep fighters well well past their expiration date loss after loss after loss sam alvey uh hennen burrell my god what what happened with hennen burrell is insane and how long they Uh, kept him yeah you know i mean we just have instances where they will use you until every last drop of blood is gone from the rock until the rock is just giving up dust well, you know, even if it's people that they don't have any sort of axe to grind against, like even Hannah Morale, like you'll have people that'll say, well, you know, if they, the UFC had released him uh, a little earlier, he still would have gone on to fight elsewhere and probably gotten beat up just as bad. I don't know about that. Sure, he probably would have gone on to fight somewhere else because, you know, the thrill of the hunt and everything and the fact that they're used to certain paydays. Some of these guys don't have many other skills and they're not ready to hang it up and go coach. Or open up their own gym or something like that. But let's say Hannon Burrow, if you'd stopped that streak two fights earlier, if he'd gotten released, yeah, he probably would have gone somewhere else. But would he have had comparable opposition? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't I don't think that unless he goes to like M1 or like some organization in Russia that's got those absolute killers out of there that a lot of Americans have never heard of. It's probably it's probably one of those situations where he maybe would have kept trugging along on the regional scene. Like, look at Carlos Vamela. He left the UFC years ago. 
went back to his native Czech Republic. He's, he racked up a very respectable win streak, and he's still doing rather well, admirably. And and it's just like, well, okay, that point doesn't really stand because it's like, no, this this isn't. There's no guarantee of that. You know what I mean? That's just one. These are cases that you remember because they're outliers. Well, a lot of these guys, man, once they go on that skid, it's done. If Sam Alvey had been released four or five fights ago, what do you think would have happened? You think it would have? You think it just would have gone on and miraculously rallied his way back? I don't know, man. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, it didn't have to go down quite like this. And they knew what they were doing. They knew that this guy was just not really cutting it, but he didn't cost them that much money. He didn't raise a fuss. He's a company guy. So yeah, of course they're going to do it. And Dan Hardy was definitely not those things. So uh, I'm, I'm glad, like you said, right? I'm glad he admitted it, that he was bitter. He's, 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 he's adult. He's enough of an adult to admit that. But, you know, I, I think his gripes uh, are, are at least... Um, Most of them are very, very yes. well worth investigating. Yes. Yeah. For sure. All right, we are going to leave Mr. Hardy behind and move forward to Mr. John Jones. And this is kind of a weird one because the UFC released a uh, graphic on their social media officially announcing Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira would be headlining UFC 282 and that the co-main event would be Jan Blakovich taking on Magomed Ankalaev. But it's kind of weird because earlier in that same day, John Jones tweeted this out. I'm preparing to fight Stipe December 10th in Las Vegas. Not <laughs> sure, not really sure what's going on between Stipe and the UFC, but I'm ready to compete. I'm going to control what I can and stay in shape. Uh-huh. Now, when rumors of Miocic and uh, John, facing John Jones first started circulating, Ariel Helwani noted that if the UFC couldn't get the two men in the cage for December, that the UFC might move to a potential bout between Jones and Francis Ngannou for sometime in the spring of 2023. Now, Ngannou hasn't come out and said yay or nay on this, and Stipe Miocic is as usual, very, very quiet and stoic. So there's not really an update on this. I just could not resist putting it in because either of those fights I still want to see. I am beyond interested in what Johnny is going to look like at heavyweight, especially considering all of the training videos and photos he's posting of his new jacked up body. I don't care how he got there, to be quite honest. He has to be in the pool, especially if they're looking at a December 10th date. But the point here is is that I want to see it. I don't care. Uh, Do I like John Jones as a person? No. But do I appreciate all, all the things that he's brought to the cage? Oh, yes, I do. And I do put him in goat conversation. But uh, I need to see this before he gets too old, before everybody concerned, before everybody involved ages out or leaves the UFC. So let's get it done. Victor, thoughts? I will slightly disagree on one front. I don't think he's in the go conversation. Um, Skill wise, maybe, but I don't I don't. I, I have qualms on that, and I don't think that we have the. This is neither the time nor place for us to break that down. That would be that would take a while, and I know it's already something that I, I can hear the clackety clack from the keyboards already. People getting mad. Like, oh, are you going to say some shit like that? It's because you're a hater. Like, no. But look, 
if he says it's happening, then I guess he and his management would know. And there is obviously they're they're way more uh, attuned to the internal machinations of how these negotiations are going uh, than perhaps us that are on the outside looking in. And it doesn't really help that Stipe is radio silence when these things happen, right? Because he's he's busy fighting fires and shit, playing Forza Horizon. He's not. He's not busy doing all this other weird shit. He's just having fun and training and keeping his head down. I mean, that's just who he is. Um, There's no real confirmation from that. The only caveat that I would add is that, well, he doesn't – I was going to say, like, well, you know, his manager, you know, not the smartest guy, but I forgot he's not with the Cowboys anymore. So I don't really – if he says he's fighting, I suppose we got to take him at his word because this doesn't seem like the kind of thing that he'd lie about. And he is a terrible liar, so I'm pretty sure that there's some way we would have found a way to poke a hole in that already. Maybe maybe he was offered to fight on that date and um, – you know, it, it's it's very possible that it might be moved. Uh, I believe they announced the headliner for the um, the last pay-per-view of the year. I don't know if uh, maybe Steve versus Jones is getting pushed down or not. So, um, I mean, I, it, it's a case of wait and see. But it is interesting because it's like you, you do kind of wonder if fighters, uh, and as it tends to happen, are just as in the dark as the rest of us, which is an insane thing to still have to worry about. And to, you're in the year of our Lord Tito Puente, 2022, we still got to be out here going like, is he right? Does he know? Do we all know? Who, who, who knows what's going on here? Does Sean Shelby know what's going on? Who's sounding that? Mick Maynard? Where, where you guys at? Who's who's doing this? Is, is Joe Silva on the line? No, he's in Cabo. Oh, okay. Don't, don't call him back. I, I I don't I don't I don't really know what else. <laughs> like, where do you go from here? As well, long as he's staying in shape, as long as he's keeping his nose clean. Uh, uh, see what I did there? As long as he's maintaining his behavior and doing uh, everything that is being asked of him on the legal side and may, keeping himself disciplined. Fine. I mean, I, I guess there's worse things, right? As long as he's not uh, given a certain amount of idle time and space to operate and do things that uh, we know are rather foul that he tends to do. Uh, I, I think this is probably not the worst thing. Keep him busy. Keep his hands busy. Well, here's what I took from it, though. And I, I forgot to mention this when, when I first brought in the topic. It appears that with John gung-ho and in training camp, that an offer was made that was agreeable to John. That's mm-hmm. saying something because John has been on the I need more money, we all need more money tip for several years now since his last fight, since right after his last fight. So that tells me on his side, the deal was agreeable. With Stipe not saying anything and they're, them having announced another fight headlining, because I am absolutely positive that if this came down to Stipe and John, it would at least be the co-headliner. Definitely. But since they announced it, it seems to me that maybe Stipe wasn't agreeable to whatever the terms were. Because no announcement was officially made from the UFC. Stipe's been incredibly quiet. The only person saying, hey, I'm training, I'm ready to go, is John Jones. Mm-hmm. So... And and he is the A side there. He's the big bank. So that that must mean that maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five million dollars was offered. Who knows? I yeah. just think that uh, that is the most important part to note here is that the UFC must have come to some agreeable arrangement for negotiations on uh, his his contract. So yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's good, I guess. I mean, you know, look, I don't know. We'll 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 see how this plays out. I, I just uh, I, I'm just I'm just concerned that I, I guess I'm, I'm more relieved than anything that we're getting John Jones news that isn't about something negative. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it, it happens so often. Just the stuff that follows this guy and the stuff that he chases not great. So this is fine, I guess, for now. Definitely something that we need to keep an eye on for very good reason. And, of course, speaking of things that we need to follow for good reason, boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Are we? This is where we come full circle, folks. This is how we get back to where we started when we talked about that Josh Thompson thing earlier. You remember that whole deal? I know. It was just a little bit ago. That was because he was referring to their upcoming event in which there will be a crossover mammoth event in Saitama Super Arena in Japan, baby. Ryzen versus Bellator is on the table, and it is a beautiful thing right now. It's not fully formed yet. It's still gestating, and they've still, even though, even though they've only announced a couple of fights, God, the poster is so dope. Oh, my goodness. It is fantastic. Ryzen 40 is going to be a New Year's Eve event, their usual extravaganza, extravaganza pardon me, and they have got some matchups that are absolutely stellar, like I said. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff right here. Uh, right now, former featherweight champion AJ McKee is going to be taking on Ryzen lightweight champion Roberto Satoshi Souza, jiu-jitsu uh, phenom extraordinaire. Patricio Pitbull is going to be taking on Fle- uh, blah, blah, blah. Look at me doing this right here. This is how excited I am. I can't even talk. <laughs> Clever Koika Erbst, former KF- uh, KSW champion and now Ryzen uh, demigod, another grappler, teammate and friend of Satoshi Souza, who has been doing extraordinary work. If you haven't been watching what this guy's been doing in Ryzen, you really truly are missing out. Kyoji Horiguchi will be back in his old stomping grounds, except this time representing Team Bellator, and he's going to take on a really solid challenge against Hiramasa Ogikubo, who he's already fought twice and has had an extraordinary rivalry with. Sochul Kim, Road FC champion, made his debut in Ryzen last uh, this year, actually, and he's going to be fighting Juan Archuleta. If you have not seen this dude and if you have not paid attention to Road FC, guys, you're missing out. These Korean dudes are doing amazing, and there's a reason why these guys are just getting funneled into the UFC and doing amazing work as soon as they come in because the bar for entry, it's, it's pretty good these days, man. There are still more fights that need to be announced. There are more things that they need to um, – that they need to suss out here. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we do need to mention this. The event is taking place New Year's Eve in Japan, but it's going to be airing in the United States via tape delay, which I still find to be unacceptable in the day and age of the internet in which you don't have to do it like this. You can air it live. You can put it on Showtime or you can stream it online. You don't have to do it this way because look, folks, let's be real. What else are they showing on Showtime at that time? Let's be real. What, what are you really watching at that point, especially on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day? What are you just another rerun? Are they going to have a Yellow Jackets marathon? Come on, man. They already finished season one. You could put this in there. You could do something along with that. I, I don't get why they're doing the tape delay. And I think that's really the biggest point of contention that I have with it right now. Maybe that'll change. Um, doesn't seem like it, though, because it seems like they've already put out in the press release that there may be a, that they're going to have the tape delay situation. Going it's on. because it's New Year's Eve and they don't think that people will be around at the time that this thing will air new year's eve people are out celebrating they are not in front of their tvs and if they are they're watching the ball drop they're not watching 
obscure MMA. And unfortunately, casuals view this kind of MMA as obscure. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. I mean that that does make a lot of sense, but I still don't like it. it oh, I don't right like it either. Me. And here's my solution <laughs> to that because here's here's the beautiful part about this whole story: co-promotion. That's the key word here: co-promotion. Yeah. And they're holding hands like adults. I really wish that the UFC could get on board with this, also, so that we could have unified belts, like worldwide belts, rather than UFC belts, Bellator belts, PFL belts. Let's make them all. You know, let's follow the boxing model for for a better uh, example there. But as far as New Year's Eve tape delay, why not do it the way the UFC does it? Stream the damn event live. And offer a tape delay option for those that don't want to be up for the stream. Why can't you do that? Why I don't, that's both? what I'm saying. They did the breakfast with Fedor thing a couple years ago. You remember that? Yeah. And, and and it's like, well, okay, well, they'll show the replay later. Show it twice in a day. You yeah. don't have just it's, it doesn't have to be just live. You can do the tape delay mm-hmm. and capture a wider net of, of, of viewers. UFC has really, really gotten on the ball with that. You know, stream it live. Watch the tape delay if you don't want to wake up at oh dark thirty. But I really, really don't understand tape delay at all in this day and age of Beyonce's mm. internet twenty twenty two. All yeah. right. So, uh, what we have next? Anything? I think uh, we just need to jump right straight into the weekly picks recap. I and, do. We though. I mean, I kind of. I know. I kind of. I kind of ate shit again. You, you and I both. Yeah, that's good though. Tied for two and four. That's right. We, we, hey, listen, we share a table. That's that's how strong our <laughs> this this fraternity is. You see this? <laughs> we do share a table now. Let's since we didn't have a show on Monday, I will do a, a mini review of the fights. Um, let's let's start with Charles Oliveira. Just getting his ass handed to him by Islam Makachev. It's something that none of us wanted to see. But during the fight itself, I was so amazed with Islam's talent. He really is 2.0 Khabib. As a matter of fact, I want to take him out of that Khabib category because I actually think he's better. I, You know, Khabib said this a while back that he was better than me. And he was right because Islam has the striking and power to go along with that crushing wrestling. It's amazing. And I don't see anybody dethroning him for at least a few years. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with a lot of these guys. They look so impressive. And it's like, shit, you know, we, we kind of think that about a lot of uh, a lot of these fighters. And it's like, oh, wait, they they kind of ran into uh that 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 one guy who's got like metallo right he's got that kryptonite core that you can't yeah. <laughs> you got to think about a little more and it's just like uh look I, i'm not taking anything away from islam i thought he looked phenomenal i i do think that charles probably uh, did a few things that he probably there were maybe a few things he could have done a little differently and um it is unfortunate to see him go out like that i did not expect islam not only i mean like yeah i expected it was possible for him to win i didn't think it was going to be a situation where he would win in that fashion in that way and um big ups to him man good for him i still think he does have some vulnerabilities but um where i don't see any i mean his chin he he can t- he could take a punch now the one shot that got through and put him down i mean Okay, 
Adriano Martins is the lineal champion now? Come on. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but if we are keeping the running gag going, now Charles has to convert to Islam. And hey, fair is fair. I'm not, you thought I forgot? I know the listeners probably forgot, but I don't give a shit about them anyway. So, I mean, whatever. All right. Now we got to, we definitely got to spend a, a moment here talking about TJ Dillashaw because mm. talk about a silly move but I understand why the move was made it was all about the almighty dollar because the UFC withholds that like a carrot on a fucking stick for these guys and it's really sad that Dillashaw went in there knowing damn well that he was gonna lose and probably lose embarrassingly there's no way he went in there thinking he was gonna beat Aljamain Sterling with that shoulder having popped and I quote at least 20 times in camp compromised since April now I want Mark Goddard to tell me personally why in the hell he was informed in the locker room that by TJ himself that my shoulder is probably going to pop out because it's fucked. Why didn't Mark Goddard say something to the promotion? Hey, this fighter just told me that he's injured. Is that, is there an onus of responsibility with, with the referee to do that? Even I just need someone to give me some clarity on that particular point, because I do not know the answer and I want to. But I, yeah. I feel like Goddard owes us all an explanation. And if he's given it, one maybe one of our listeners can point it out to me. But I have yet to see it. But yeah. I would like to know. I I don't I asked this question earlier in the week where I was like, you know, what what is a referee's responsibility in the case of a fighter saying, you know, well, you know, I've had this problem with my shoulder, you know, I haven't been able to lift my arm or whatnot. Like, okay, it, it, does he ask for another medical? Does he make the call? Does he um speak to the other refs as he consult with the commission, although in this case the UFC was a commission, but whoever had the oversight of the event. And maybe, does it does it depend on the severity or the extent of the pre-existing injury? Because, look, guys go in there, they get banged up all the time. You know, they go in there, they're already busted up. We've seen so many of these dudes go out there, like they don't even have, like, ligaments in their knees but, anymore, you know? But if you're <laughs> telling him, my shoulder might slip out, don't stop the fight. The ref has to stop the fight. I mean, I can't believe that he let it go on as long as he did. He literally took Dillashaw at his word and left him in there much too long. Well, I, I think that part of it might also be that that crucial point of like it might slip out. Well, so it's not out now, you know, because obviously but at that point, it had slipped in the fight though. That's my no, point. no, no. Well, I, that's I'm, well, no, I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm just saying as far as like before oh, the fight, okay. which is where I was a bit that that's where I'm kind of like worrying about the prevention yeah. element. But as far as what happened during the fight itself, that is I am absolutely not going to disagree with you there. Once that happens, man, you got to call that. You and can't let that shit go continue on until the end of the round. They were a bang was able to get it slip it back in they come out aljo even said i targeted it after that as he should did. that's kind and of what did. fighters have to do i mean i don't i'm not i'm not holding that against him either but and the whole happened, I, I, can we note there can we isolate that clip of you saying bang slipped it back in because that's just funny to me because i'm 12 <laughs> but the other thing too is what happened when Aljo targeted it? immediately slipped out again. Mm -hmm. And I don't just fault Goddard here because I think Goddard is actually one of the better referees. But in yes. this particular case, he slipped up and it happens. But the other thing that 
is even more egregious here is that his team didn't throw in the towel. That was fucking wrong. I don't care how good a coach Bang might be. That was fucking wrong. Yeah, but see, doing it in the title fight and the uh, the comments that TJ had made insinuating that had he not taken the fight in his present condition, he might have been jumped over and maybe not gotten a title shot for the immediate foreseeable future. That kind of pressure, that's a bigger concern because now you're implying that the UFC knew. And if they knew and they still allowed you to continue fighting, uh-huh. that's exactly who's, what I'm implying. who is not telling the truth and how much was obfuscated, if anything at all? How much was actually being omitted and withheld? I don't know. And that's where I got even like this is this is the I hate this kind of case because this ain't the kind of thing we can go. He said, she said, and then pull up some records and make a determination. Right. No, this is this is complex to a point where it's beyond the usual sort of thing where, you know, the, the human nature element where you're trying to sift through a, a, the, the sands of nuance. That's not what's going on here. Now this is such a mess from top to fucking bottom where everyone's going to deny any sort of uh, liability because they know what's going on here. And it is a bad look. It's a bad look for everybody. People are mad at TJ because he took the fight knowing what was going on. People are mad at Swanson for coming out and saying, oh yeah, it's been like that for a while, which by the way, I get why Kevin was doing it, but he, he kind of maybe not now. Maybe this wasn't the moment for Swanson to chime in with that because it's like now the rest of the team looks bad. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Now the coaches yeah. also look bad. And now people are like, oh, well, you know, you're cheating the fighters. How about the UFC? How about them putting people in situations where they can't say no? And if he were to pull out of the fight, then, yeah, who's to say that there wouldn't be something that would be considered retaliatory in treatment? Now you go to the back of the line for a while. You know, we'll drop you on the rankings or whatever. You'll be out because of because of inactivity. I think that there's a mixture of things. Um, number one, obviously, the, the, the dangling of the title thing being there. I mean, he worked so hard to get to this point after all this time off and all the, 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 the mishaps and his recent injury prior to that to his leg. Being able to be in this prime position on a massive pay-per-view, he didn't want to give that up. And I'm imagining that this is also that thing where you have to have this psychotic determination, this obsessive manner of thinking, no, I can still do it. I can go in there and I can beat that guy with one arm. I don't doubt that that's the kind of process that he was going through. So let's look at that too, because you don't get to TJ's level of being elite and not think like that at some point. Like you have to have something in that tank. It's something in, in, in your mental reserves that allows you to think that this is, you know what, it's just another step. I'll get over this hump. It'll be fine. I, I don't doubt that. I really do 100% believe that that played a part here in this whole situation, and it did not make things any better at all. It's also really fortuitous that literally a day before they made the announcement that no fighters could could gamble, none of their corners, no, nobody could gamble. Now, I'm sure that was more relative to uh, James Krause's little gambling uh, podcast or whatever, but it just seems the timing is just picture perfect here. One of my other thoughts about Goddard was maybe TJ told him and he did tell the commission which in this case was the ufc and maybe the ufc decided you know do you think you can go on and tj of course said of course like of course the ufc said okay full steam ahead the other thing though that makes me feel like they were aware is the absolute brutal honesty that TJ gave in that post-fight interview where he said, I t- I let everybody know in the back, the referee, this person, that person, everybody. That was the key. I let everybody know. Yeah. And he said that 
in an instant without thinking of repercussions because I'm sure the UFC was just cringing at that interview. And you know what we haven't heard? We haven't heard any rebuttals to anything right. that TJ has said from the brass. That's right. And you, if, if you're running a company like that, you want to jump in front of that and be like, oh, no, 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 no. But yeah. they haven't been able to do that yet. And yeah. I'm wondering why. The other thing, too, is that you, you, may, you use the words, this was a massive pay-per-view. To us, it was massive. But for casual viewing, the kind of cards that do Iron Man numbers are not cards that are headlined by Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. This is not a massive pay-per-view. And when the numbers come out, I bet my point will be made. Because if this card did 400000 I would be shocked. Well, would you consider, and maybe that has to do, and I guess that, that would be in the case of uh, domestic pay-per-view, but given the drawing power of Khabib being plastered all over, his protege being the guy that they were bringing in, this being on uh, familiar soil for Makachev and his crew, uh, do, do you think that at least as far as like the international numbers, maybe that might have something to do with it? I mean, nope. it was a non, no, you don't think so? Nope. Can can that be viewed as, a, as an ingredient to the whole passing of the torch thing and how that might have been marketed internationally. I, that, I'm curious well, about sure, that. But I don't think it's going to matter for the pay-per-view numbers, though. I don't mm. think it's enough. My point is, is that I agree with what you're saying. I do. I do feel that they were looking for the Khabib rub and they probably got it to some degree. I just don't think it's to the degree that they could afford to lose Dilly's name from the card. Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there that's part of what the uh, the the more stacked element of of the card was. So, I can see that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, the rest of our picks, I'm just going to buzzsaw through those. Actually, I'm not because we got to talk Yan. We definitely got to talk Petter Yan and Sugar Sean because did did you have Sugar Sean winning? No, no, I, I, I thought Jan was going to win. I, I saw what was happening in round one and figured, yeah, we're probably going to see more of the same. Didn't quite happen like that. <laughs> but did you did you give the win to Sean? Because I didn't. Oh, I see what you mean. No, no, I, I, I thought Jan had won. Yeah, me too. Uh, I thought it was close, yeah. but I, I had a 29-28 Jan. Mm. How did you have it? I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had it. I had him winning. Uh, I had him winning the the first and third rounds. I'm not sure, really. I mean, like, I guess I could see the case for for O'Malley winning the uh, the third in some way. I, I just don't. Sometimes, you know, like what we see and what these judges are looking for, it's a little weird, man. I just like, I, I, I don't. The most uh, telling thing to me about this whole fight, I was impressed with the fact that O'Malley was able to hang as well as he did. Mm. That was good. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you know what? He does He does belong with the top guys. I just don't see him as being able to beat the top guys in a decisive manner. And, and I, yeah, it's, it's, not, um, it's not great. Yeah. But at the same time, to your point, Sean O'Malley has become much, much more durable because he was eating some punches that would have dropped a lot of others. Mm. But I feel like Jan's punches were the more impactful ones in the significant striking area. And so that's why I thought he won. Yeah, I mean, maybe the fact that O'Malley, I mean, we saw that when he cracked uh, Jan with the knee, which something that, as mm. was pointed out earlier in the week, or, jeez, uh, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but um, there were there were shows of, of how it had been done previously. You know, Aljamain Sterling had done the same thing, you know, because Jan has a tendency to duck his head, mm -hmm. and 
you know, O'Malley definitely studies tape, so that's a great sign. It shows that he's he's not uh, the the sort of moron that a lot of people want him want to think of him as when he's in a cage. Say what you will about his personal opinions; that's a separate matter. But uh, he fought smart. He got the decision. I don't have to like it. It's already in the history books. And um, wow, I mean, that's that's a bit of an odd way to make an arrival, but here it is. Then we get to Gamrot and Darius and Boy. I want to call Dariush old man Dariush, but he's only 30 freaking three looking like an old man. But the dude can fight and he made Gamrot look like a puppy in there. Is it the salt and pepper hair thing? Is that why it we is. think of him as being so old? Yeah, it is. <laughs> he's got so much at such a young age. I I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't. I, I can't think of what other reason there is, but why we think of him as so old. That's uh yeah. Old man Benil. <laughs> Old man Benil. That's wild, man. That's wild. And and the real old man was uh, Sun Sao. And look. And he looked good. Wow. I'm so glad that he was able to get that win. I like him. Mm, Good for him. Yeah, I I agree. You know, Brazilian hypnotode, you know, we've 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 cracked a lot at his expense. He's been through a lot. But yeah, it was nice to see the old guy get it, even if it meant Victor Henry. A guy that I'm personally, uh, you know, always nerding out for, uh, you know, had to take Victor the out. Victor has big hands, you know, he's yeah. got heavy hands. And, str- and and extraordinary grappling, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, we get to Manon Fjord taking out Caitlin Chikagian. This was actually a good fight. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. And it yeah. was it, just like what I had mentioned before. You know, he got somebody who's just as smart with her striking, but packs the most power that Chukagan's ever seen up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was a very good fight. And um, I, you know, I, I mean, I kind of feel bad seeing Caitlin lose. I know she gets a lot of stick for not being exciting, but it's not like she's a bad person or a bad fighter. I don't really <laughs> like I feel like some of that hate is a bit unfair. She does her job and she does it well. But Hey, man, you know, it is what it is. She she had to eat the L on this one. She can definitely put a game plan together, and her technique is very, very good. She doesn't make a lot of mistakes. When she loses, it's because somebody is a better athlete. That's what mm. it comes down to, or packs more power. But uh, she's, a, she's a good athlete and worth her top five, top six spot, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Bilal Muhammad looks phenomenal. Yes, he does. The way he tuned up Sean Brady was insane. Took that O away. And what more can you say? But uh, if they decide to let him go in and and I don't know if they've officially announced Usman Edwards 2 or given it a date. But if something happens, man, I'd be all for uh, Muhammad Edwards 2. I'd like to see it. I think that he's, he's evolved leaps and bounds just from that fight to this one. He looks great. You know what the cool thing is about this? If if there were some sort of situation, as you mentioned, right, and I'm glad you brought that up. If there, let's say, as I usually say, right, if, if Usman slips on a banana peel and he can't make it to the title fight, uh, Bilal Muhammad in a rematch with the title on the line, like that's big drama. That's mm-hmm. really interesting Um you know, not only is it like a fun storyline just in life in general, but that's something that a really savvy marketing team could really juice mm-hmm. and make some great things happen, especially looking at how the way that Muhammad looked in this fight and the way that Leon won the title with that sensational finish. Um, you can you can really squeeze that and make something happen. Indeed. 
Now, the standings are as follows. Mookie is still in the lead, but he has widened it by six. He is 119, 69, and three. I am second at 113, 75, and three. Victor, you are catching up. You are at 105, 83, and three. So we move on into UFC Vegas 63, which is an awful card. And I will say that with my whole chest. It is terrible. This is truly a one-fight card. But we are going to pick four because we need to give you something to chew on. And I I went through and I, I picked the four that I thought were the most interesting. But when you're left with such spare pickings, you know, it's kind of hard. It's a really lean, lean card. No fat at all on this. So we're going to start with Phil Haas taking on Roman Delize. How you going there, Victor? And you're on mute, sir. I... <laughs> I did it again. I thought we we almost got out of it, didn't we? we but I'm gonna leave it Detroit. in because it's funny. I want people to hear how. Oh, no, that happens. was good. No, I deserve it. This is fine. I'm good. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. I just want to note one thing. Unfortunately, we did lose Edson Barboza fighting Ilya Taporia on this this card. So right. that's a little sad. But we're gonna get to that in a bit. Um, Chase Hooper's fighting Steve Garcia. That's so good. Uh, Andre Olovsky's fighting for some reason on this one. But Phil Haas, Roman Delice. I love Roman. I love Phil Haas, man. I, I I know I must have mentioned this before, but back when he was gaining a lot of steam in his early career, you know, like he was he was a big, uh, a very highly hyped prospect for very good reason, and it didn't quite click together at a certain point. But then it kind of did, and now he's in the UFC and he's amazing. And um, I just feel like maybe Roman might probably be a little too much physically. I think I don't know if he's he seems like he might be a little bigger. At least he carries a bit more um a bit more mass on his frame. Uh I I think that might be a bit of a factor. I don't know what Haas's cardio looks like these days. So I'm gonna take a flyer on this when I go at Roman. Yeah, I'm also going to pick Roman for the exact same reasons that you listed. I hate the fight. I don't yeah. think it's very good. Phil Hawes has so many athletic gifts, but putting them all together has been a little bit of an issue for him. So I don't know how this one's going to go, but I am leaning Roman Delize. Uh Mookie is picking Phil Hawes, interestingly enough. Mm, so mm. we are going to move on to Dustin Jacoby taking on Khalil Roundtree Jr. Oof, how you going? Jesus. Christ, what a fight. What a fight. You this got, one you got is a guy. Sort of interesting. Yeah, I do like this one somewhat. You got a guy who was literally not too long ago a pretty successful kickboxer taking on a guy who went on a voyage like a video game character to Thailand and came back absolutely lethal with his striking. Um, God, he's another fight I don't like because I, I really like seeing both of these dudes and I don't want to see them lose. But, you know, that's the game, I guess. And I suppose that maybe Khalil might be able to overwhelm Jacoby, although I do think that Jacoby's got plenty of tricks and, and um, his ability with his hand traps and his feints. Uh, he might be able to manage distance for a while if he can use that pace early to dictate how this is going to go in terms of range and speed. Then he might have uh, an ability to cruise. Well, I don't want to say cruise, but he might be able to earn himself a victory down the line. I just kind of feel like Roundtree might be able to catch him earlier on and uh, really start doing damage early, and then just sort of make sure that it stays uh, uh, competitive and close. So I'm going to go with Roundtree. All right. Uh, Mookie is going with Jacoby, and I am as well. 
I mm. just think that Jacoby makes less mistakes, honestly. But yeah. I think it's going to be a pretty damn good fight. Yeah. So uh, I'm definitely going to watch. It's just not a fight that I would recommend. This isn't a card that I would recommend. The name mm. value yeah. has just fallen so dramatically on these fight night cards. I understand why. And I kind of applaud them moving all of the the beefy fights to their pay-per-views. Give us our money's worth. I like that part. But it's really hard to get invested in the fight night cards now because all the good shit ends up on the pay-per-views <laughs> and we get cards where it's basically a one-fight card. I don't yeah. think there's anybody ranked on this card outside of the top. I don't I don't believe so. I mean, you got to look at the fact also that this is, as I said years ago, right, when I was doing winners and losers, this is where the sausage gets made. Yeah. You know, you want to see these, you you want the, uh, the the guys that are coming up. Well, this is how they come up the ranks. This is how they end up building a highlight reel so that when they decide to put them behind that paywall, you're like, yeah, you know what? Sure. So if you're a more dedicated fan like us, then you know, you're, you're probably as excited as we are for some of these. And you should be because there's some really good stuff here. But you kind of got to be a little bit more dedicated, like a lot more dedicated than than the average viewer so there's that yeah for sure now we're gonna get to our next fight this is our co-main event i believe yes it is yes Tim it is Means taking on max griffin victor how you going oh this is this is a really bad fight to pick you know, I, I, Max had that last outing back in March against Neil Magny. He lost a split decision. And what was actually um, a pretty interesting fight, I mean, I don't remember it being very exciting, but it was it was at least interesting in terms of technique and the way that they were able to go back and forth. But I don't know, man. I kind of feel like Tim Means runs a different kind of hustle than Magny. He runs a different kind of pace, and he's able to use that volume early, work that dirty clinch early, and... Um, start racking up an advantage that that some of these guys kind of fall behind on now that being said you also got to look at some of his more recent exploits and the fact that he is uh, getting up there in age losing to kevin holland by submission back in june uh prior to that he had a pretty respectable win streak against Staropoli, mike perry and nicholas dalby i mean dalby being the only truly impressive name of those three um at least at that stage in development but he is 38 and i don't know how much more he really uh has at this point you know he's going in there against a pretty savvy wrestler who's got a lot of uh athletic um talent and everything but uh i guess i'm gonna go with means because i still got that soft spot for old guys with pretty smart uh pretty heavy fight iq and i i guess that's really all the effort that i care to put into that pick <laughs> all right well i'm i'm gonna go the opposite way i'm going with max griffin by virtue of youth strength um, Tim Means' reflexes are a little bit slower, quite a bit slower, actually, if, if I'm honest. I'm a big Dirty Bird fan. I'm not actually mm -hmm. a fan of Max Griffin. I'm not not a fan. I just yeah. have no opinion whatsoever on him. But it's hard for me to, to go against Tim Means, but I have to here. I just think that Max Griffin has a little bit more in the tank than Tim Means does at this current juncture. Now, Mookie is also picking Max Griffin. Now we're getting to the main event, the only fight that really well and truly matters. And that's Calvin Cater taking on Arnold Allen. Victor, how you going? 
Okay, so I just want to point something out here. Arnold Allen is on an 11-fight win streak. And while some of those names maybe at the time that he fought them weren't exactly, you know, I mean, you know, Amerikani kind of hit or miss. Mads Brunel, that was an impressive one, and that was a submission back in 2018. Um, the win against Gilbert Melendez in 2019, you know, that was that was good. It was a, a good, steady test for him. And, you know, the win against Nick Lentz kind of opened my eyes a little, seeing a British guy being able to, you know, to, to offload the the to continue to dispel the curse of British wrestling, um, that was cool. But it was the Sodiq Yusuf fight that really made me a true believer in Allen's skill and ability because it's like, okay, you know what? He's fighting all these veterans and all these other dudes, but now he's beating back guys that could probably be better athletes than him, at least like in an all around sense. And then he went out and he did what he did to Dan Hooker and he obliterated him, and that was like, okay, this is an, another another level of like yeah this 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 kid is ready for prime time he's knocking on the door for a title shot i think he's probably i wouldn't be too mad if a win here definitely put him in there in title contention however you do have calvin cater coming off a loss but it's not a bad loss it was a split against josh emmett and we've seen how good josh emmett can be um i just kind of wonder if maybe uh looking at Cater's um, ability to not just withstand damage, but to really use his volume effectively and to outsmart guys that are more complete strikers like Giga Chikadze or another guy who's really savvy with his hands like Dan Ige or the way that he put away Jeremy Stevens. I think that says a lot more, too. You know, taking out guys that have more, um, I guess, more robust striking games. And being able to have them play in his way and have him work in his range and and then having them suffer as a result of it, I, I kind of feel like he might be able to pull that off here. And I feel like maybe as 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 bad as I feel about it, because I really think that Allen probably should be the favorite, but I'm going to go with Cater on this one. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow, okay, all right. I mean, listen, Cater has got beautiful technical boxing. There's mm-hmm. no two ways about it. I love watching him fight. Yeah. And he does have some power, but I wouldn't call it one hit or quitter. He has cumulative power. Exactly. But uh, I can't get past uh, a couple of factors. One, the the fight with Holloway will never leave me. That will never, ever yeah. leave me. But the other thing that I'm noting in his losses here is that when he faces, with the exception of Holloway, when he faces strong grapplers, he does not do well. Because his losses are to Hanato Moikano, Zabi Magomed Sharapov, Max Holloway, and Josh Emmett. And like I said, with the exception of Max Holloway, he got out-wrestled, out-grappled, as well as out-struck. But more, more to the point that he was out-grappled a good bit. And I just think that, you know, Arnold Allen is going to put it on him. And I have to go with Arnold Allen here. I It's not that I'm not giving Calvin a chance. And I don't think that this is a runaway fight by any means either. This is actually a pick I mean, Calvin Cater's left is fucking money. And if it lands just right, Arnold will go down. And if Calvin can jump on him and, and do the same thing he did to Jeremy Stevens, that is a wrap. But I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think Arnold Allen fights very, very smart and efficiently. And so I I have to go with Arnold Allen. And Mookie is also going with Arnold Allen. Now, we are picking one additional fight this weekend. 
And that is Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva on the Most Valuable Promotions card being featured on Showtime. I am going to start this. <laughs> I'm picking Anderson Silva. Bing, bang, boom, done. Yeah, I don't care what happened with the knockdown, knockout, whatever. I'm going with Anderson Silva. It's whatever. <laughs> and Mookie is also going with Anderson Silva. Now, there is a Bellator card this weekend, but I couldn't be bothered to look into it because Bellator couldn't be bothered to really promote it very much. I mean, I didn't even know until today that there was a Bellator card on, if that tells you anything about their promotional event. <laughs> yeah, Bellator Milan, usually the European events get even less mm-hmm. noise. I don't know how that happens, but they make it possible. And I really wish they'd do more right. uh, to to really like let people know, hey, you probably have Showtime. You could be watching us, but they choose not to. Exactly. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> So, Victor, what are your plans this weekend before we shut it down? Uh, basically, I'm I'm going to try to uh, going to try to sleep and try to not stay sober. I don't I don't have much. <laughs> I I got a lot of cleaning to do. I got a lot of uh, organizing to do, and and I, I'm it's going to be fairly boring dad stuff this weekend. So between that and the boys' soccer game, I'm, I I think uh, I think Wait, I'm covered. It's just that, soccer? and maybe some shirtless streaming on Friday night. I'm not sure. Wait, bugs in soccer now? Oh yeah, he's got uh, he's got a few more weeks in the in the season, but he's going to be doing that, and uh, I'm overdue for doing more shirtless streaming, which I'll probably be doing on YouTube and not and not Twitch. So um, yeah, I'll be I'll be posting about that too. Amazing! I didn't even know Bug was in soccer. That's so cool. Yeah, no, nah, he's he's not that good. We ain't getting out the hood. It, it, not not with this skill. No. <laughs> well, still, it's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Okay, so. We're going to wrap up the show. I want you to do me a favor. Get over to Victor's Twitter because this guy is so fucking funny. You must follow him. He puts out A1 plus premium grade A beef content all the time. That's Victor. or No, that's Vic M. Rodriguez. I was about to say Victor Sinister. Uh-huh. But you got to get your things squared up there. Okay. And, and if you want to visit his Instagram, which is equally awesome. Go over to Victor Sinister Rodriguez on Instagram. Do me a favor, follow Mookie as well. He is at Mookie Alexander on Twitter, and you can find his work over on SB Nation's Field Goals website, where he is the managing editor. Uh, you can follow the show at Level Change Pod, and as well on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Level Change Podcast. And... Victor and I both still work for Bloody Elbow, so if you want to check out our stuff, because Victor does all sorts of breakdowns, and he has the amazing what the what the fuck fight, WTFF, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that series where he picks unique fights and events from around the world that you might not be privy to, might not have caught wind of yet. So do check that out. And listen to the pre-recorded outro because it'll tell you where you find this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow Presents podcast network shows. So on that note, I am going to shut it down. Until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, 
Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>